Hello, and welcome to the first installment of Mystified in 5. Quite often when we begin work on and research on a new story, we stumble across bizarre little side tales that don't quite fit the main story and aren't quite long enough for full lengths. But their story is so fascinating that we want to tell them, and we hope you'll want to hear them. This is the first, and this one came about as I was researching the terror at the Wax Museum. Bolton's original museum was inspired after he visited Madame Tussaud's famous museum in London. One thing that seemed rather stark after looking at some of the old photos of the original museum was just how macabre it was, hardly on par with the bright, poppy wax museum so common today. So I figured there was a story there, and come to find out, there sure is. The structure that stands in Grand Prairie today bears the name Tassad, but the full name on it is Louis Tassad rather than Madame. Louis Tassad's is an offshoot of the more famous Madame Tassad's, started by her great-grandson after a dispute over who should be chief artist and manager saw the title awarded to his brother. Instead of staying and working with his brother, he decided to strike out on his own and become the competition. Most say that there is no competition and that the quality between the two museums is miles apart. Check them out and let me know what you think. But we're not here today to talk about Louis Desaad, but rather the lady who started it all and whose sometimes gruesome displays would inspire Tom Bolton's humble little museum in Fair Park. Today's episode is the grisly history of the queen of wax sculptures, Madame Tussaud. Anna Marie Groschultz was born December 7, 1761, in Strasbourg, France. The family business was gruesome in its own right. They were and had been public executioners, a trade that had been passed on since the 15th century. Little Anna Marie would not ever have a chance to meet her father, however, as he was killed two months before she was born in the Seven Years' War. This would also throw the family into tumult and end their lineage as public executioners. Seeking to make ends meet as a now-widowed single mother, Anna Marie's mother relocated to Bern, Switzerland, to work as a housemaid for a doctor by the name of Philippe Curtius. The doctor took a liking to Marie and took her under his wing as her guardian and artistic mentor. The two were quite close, and he became a sort of surrogate father to the young girl. Curtius, in addition to his medical practice, was skilled at wax modeling and sculpting and would model pieces of anatomy for study and entertainment. As chance would have it, Curtius was so skilled he was able to impress Prince de Conti, a cousin of Louis XV with his anatomical wax miniatures. His work started receiving so much attention that in 1765, Curtius gave up his medical practice in order to move to Paris and pursue wax modeling as his primary vocation. In Paris, he established the Cabinet de Portraits in Syrie. One of his first works completed in Paris was a wax work of Louis XV's mistress, the Madame du Barry. The piece is breathtaking and has the distinction of being the oldest wax work currently on display. A year later, Tassad and her mother joined Curtius in Paris so she'd continue her training. Curtius's idea to create the wax displays was well-timed and his exhibits did well. They would set up displays of current events happening and people would pay well to be close to the celebrities' wax replicas. By 1770, he had a permanent location at 20 Boulevard de Tempel, the street with the highest concentration of theaters in the city, and Marie was showing great talent. In 1777, she created her first sculpture, that of Voltaire. Marie claims during this time that she was invited to teach votive making to Elizabeth, the sister of Louis XVI. She also claims to have lived at Versailles for nine years. A lot of historians will dispute this, which brings up a point that must be addressed. A lot of what we know about Marie comes from Marie herself. Part of what made Marie so successful is that she was a showwoman. She was very gifted at selling herself and building her own legend, so some of her claims must be taken with a grain of salt. Part of why so many of her claims can't be collaborated is because of what happens next. 
the start of the French Revolution. A lot of the people who would be either able to confirm or deny Mary's stories would soon lose their ability to say anything at all. Curtius had taught his pupil how to create replicas of living subjects and had perfected the art of keeping his subjects alive and as comfortable as possible. By the time Marie took over, times had changed. Most of the people the public wanted to see were those who had fallen to the blade of the guillotine, and neither their lives or comfort were any longer of concern. Marie would claim that she was forced by the National Assembly to create the death masks of the beheaded Robespierre, Jean-Paul Marat, Marie Antoinette, and Louis XVI as a brutal reminder of the revolution. It's also possible that she did so because she was building her brand and creating an enduring infamy. But revolution times weren't all good for the young artist. She did find herself detained during the revolution due to the fact that she had busts of some characters that were no longer favorable in the public eye. That and some of the yarn she had spun made it pretty easy for the still-fervored masses to think that she might be a royal sympathizer. According to Marie herself, she almost lost her own head and that it was in fact shaven in preparation for the guillotine. As luck would have it, though, she would be spared the blade when it was realized that her talents were made her more useful alive, making death masks of those who had already lost their heads. So it was her skill at replicating and preserving severed heads that allowed her to keep hers. Success in waxworks involving the dead was not easy and took patience and artistic ability. Luckily for Marie, she had both in spades, as well as a very strong stomach. Most of her time was consumed running around collecting casts of very freshly killed players in the gruesome show that was playing out. When Charlotte Corday murdered the radical Jean-Paul Marais in his bathtub, Marie got to the scene so fast the killer was still being processed by law enforcement when she started work on Marais's death mask. Not all of her sculpts were royals and revolutionaries, though. True crime has been a human fascination as long as humans have been around, and some of her works were the likenesses of well-known criminals and victims. Rumor was that she even had informants that would let her know of a fresh body or a new crime scene. In 1794, when Curtius passed on, he bequeathed his entire collection and business to her. Marie soon married Francois Tassad, a civil engineer and a prolific gambler. The couple had three children, two boys, Joseph and Francois, and a daughter who died after birth. Her husband took the reins of the growing business, but soon ran it into the ground. Marie had worked tirelessly to build her little macabre business, but was now quite aware that something was going to have to change, or it would be just as dead as her subjects, thanks to her husband's mismanagement and gambling so she decided to take her little display of curiosities out on the road. In 1802, she set out with her mother and youngest son for London. It was a wise choice, and she soon found her footing and toured England and Scotland for 20 years with her waxworks. She had intimate knowledge about each of her displays and would wow her audiences with anecdotal stories of each wax figure. In 1822, her other son joined her and her exhibit, but Madame Tassad never returned to France and never saw her husband again. In 1835, Tassad finally set up permanent shop on London's Baker Street and continued to grow her exhibits and collection. By the time she died in 1850, she had built her little collection into the most successful tourist venue in the country, and its success has endured continuously. The gallery originally contained some 400 figures, but as the results of a fire in 1925 and the German bombing campaign on London in 1941, a lot of the originals were severely damaged. Luckily, though, the castings survive and have been able to be replicated. The museum had to relocate from its original Baker Street location to a larger business on Marleybone Road, where it still stands today. Museum visitors are greeted by a self-portrait Marie created of herself just eight short years before her death. The figure is haunting, to say the least, as it depicts the face of a woman who has seen more than enough death, hardship, and woe to drive one insane, and yet she was strong enough to stare it all down and create something beautiful and extremely enduring. 
Today, in addition to the original location in London, the museum has expanded around the world with locations in China, Germany, the U.S., Japan, Romania, India, and more. The subject matter in most of these locations is a lot less gruesome than her original vision, but if the original subject matter would have been as light as that of today, we might not have ever known about Marie and the wild ride that was her life. Thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to join us again on Friday for another trip into the bazaar on the Mystified Podcast. This is Stephen, and you can find us on Instagram at mystified underscore pod. Until next time. Mystified.